Hello, hello. Welcome to a brand new episode of the SaaS Sprints podcast, the podcast for content marketers in SaaS. And I'm your host, Yag. In this episode, we are going to learn from one of my favorite demand-gen marketers, one of the best SaaS companies out there when it comes to marketing. Unless you're living under a rock, you have definitely heard of Chili Piper. And if you know Chili Piper, you definitely know Tara Robertson. If you want to learn how to do demand-gen the right way, the role of content in Demandion and the mistakes to avoid when you're building your Demandion program, then this episode is for you. So, hey ho, let's go. Tara, I'm so happy to have you here. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks for that intro. I could start every day with an intro <laughs> like that. Thank you for that. No, you're absolutely awesome. So first things first, you know, let's let's talk about um, what demandion really even means. You know, a lot of people confuse it with demand capture, but let's talk about how is it different? What is demand capture and what is demandion? Sure. Yeah. So I think I don't think this is too controversial. I think I've, more people are coming around to this. But yeah. a few years ago, when you said demandion, it usually meant the team or the person that runs paid ads, and that was kind of it. That was the job. Maybe they also ran your HubSpot. Maybe they sent emails, but that was kind of the limits. I think for me personally, it's really become synonymous with just digital marketing in general. So sometimes demand gen owns the website. Sometimes it's in collaboration with say product marketing or other teams on the, in marketing. But in general, for me, demand gen is they should be the experts on your team on who is your audience where are they? Where can we reach them? And what offer can we use to get in front of them and get their attention? And then what happens once we have that attention? So to me, that's really just synonymous with digital marketing. And then when people say demand capture, to me, a lot of the time, um, that typically is, again, what, what happens once the, we have their attention? What does that capture mechanism look like? So a lot happens before that piece. And I think people tend to forget that people don't just show up on your website ready to fill out a form. There's a lot that goes into building a brand and getting them yeah. excited and trusting you. So demand capture is really one tiny piece of the puzzle. Yeah. yeah. The way I like to look at it is that, you know, demand capture is somebody, when you're targeting a set of keywords with a certain keyword volume and you say that this has intent and uh, it's sometimes it's like, you know, somebody standing in a queue in an airport uh, to buy something, let's say they are going to buy some burgers and you're offering them a 20% discount to somebody who's already ready to buy. That doesn't make sense. Now, on the mm -hmm. contrary, what I would love to dig a little more when it comes to Demandion is like, what, what is the role of content in it? You know, when, when you look at Chili Piper, the way you guys are on LinkedIn or the kind of videos that you put out and uh, the kind of programs that you run, it's not directly about conversion right from the word go. So how does that typically work if you can give an example of Chili Piper as to how you approach it? Sure. Yeah, I love the burger <laughs> analogy. I think we think of things pretty similarly to that where you can't just throw a demand capture in front of someone's face if they don't already know you and trust you. So you can't yeah. just give someone a 20% off coupon when they're like, I don't even know what you're making over there. I don't know what you're selling. Yeah. So we think a lot about how can we put out content that either is helpful or entertaining. And if you follow us on LinkedIn, you see that we do a mix of both. But that's really a collaboration amongst the marketing team. It's not just one person that owns our LinkedIn and has to figure out what to post every day. It's really collaborative. And I think that helps us stand out because... For me as a demand gen marketer, I obviously follow a ton of other demand gen people and I can say, hey, this one community I'm in, people are really talking about lead scoring today. That's a super hot topic. Let's figure out what we can post and what's our take on it. So really collaborative versus just, oh, it's the content team's job or it's the social person's job to figure out what to post. 
Right, right. Somewhere I also heard that every new person who joins on the CP team gets to run a LinkedIn for a while. Is that true? <laughs> yeah. So what we do, we call them Piper takeovers and it's just one day. So it's not a ton of pressure, <laughs> but we have, we kind of did it out of, as a rotation and started with when I was actually taking over our podcast, Demand Gen Chat, we thought it would be a fun way to introduce our audience to me just because I hadn't really had my face out there yet. So I experimented with taking over our LinkedIn page, just posted about myself for a day, replied to the comments, engaged with people. And then we, it went pretty well. So we started doing it first with just the marketing team, then sales, and then we kind of went broad. And now anyone can put their hand up and say they want to do it for a day. We don't force anyone, but um, most people have been really excited about that. No, I love it. I think a lot of companies should uh, try it out and it gives a lot of people on the other side who are not exposed to this an opportunity to think about. And you never mm -hmm. know when something, you know, picks up, we get an idea as to, hey, organically, this is working great. Maybe, you know, we yeah. can run a couple of ads on top of this to uh, see what we can do from there. Yeah, we get a lot of ideas from just honestly, what our sales reps post organically on LinkedIn. Some of them are just so good at finding the right way to explain what we do with a meme. And we'll take yeah. that and say, hey, we should just put some paid behind this. Why not? And that tends to work really well for us versus, again, just one marketer saying, hmm, what ads can I write today? <laughs> I mean, if you don't have any back and forth or any input from what's actually working on the organic side, that can be really tough and honestly yeah, kind of yeah. boring. So it's fun to be yeah, more collaborative. Yeah. And, and the idea of an ad is not necessarily to, you know, immediately go and purchase, but at least to make mm -hmm. the person click in the first place. Right. Click. And I mean, sometimes they're just not going to click and they want to stay on LinkedIn and scroll, but they'll remember your brand. They'll remember that they learned something. Maybe you made them laugh. And so that's, it can't always be the goal to get them to convert. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Makes sense. All right. Let's talk a little bit about um, thought leadership. You know, it's one of the terms that gets abused a lot, especially in the world <laughs> of SaaS. And, um, you know, you have done this in your past during your Uberflip days. And now when you look at Chili Piper, I love the way you guys empower the dark social. So talk to us about the process that you have in terms of thought leadership, how it works at uh, Chili Piper. Sure. Yeah. So similar to our takeovers, um, we and basically enable anyone at the company to come up with a topic that they are an expert in and that they yeah. want to write about. So not everyone is a great writer, but our content team will interview people and write a blog post kind of on their behalf. So mm -hmm. one example is we have a strong sense that we don't do discounting at Chili Piper. So head of content interviewed our VP of sales and wrote a blog post on his behalf all around that and going into the ins and outs of why, because we get a lot of questions about that topic specifically. So rather than marketing writing about it, we had our VP of sales explain how it works for his team, how they handle objections. And so we really, instead of forcing him to sit down and write a blog post, because that's not really his thing, he has yeah. a lot going on as a VP of sales, um, we basically do an interview style. So book an hour with our content team, they interview you, and then we'll write a post on your behalf and edit it, make sure it looks great for you. So we really empower people to step forward and kind of put their ideas out there. And then vice versa, if we think of something that could be interesting, then we'll go to the team and say, hey, we'd love to write around this. Can you help us right. kind of flesh out this topic a bit because our marketing team isn't the expert in this. Right. So that's that's really one thing that we do here that I think works well to always have a stream of content. But you mentioned Uberflip. So I think one thing that's really changed in the probably five-ish years since I've been there is that marketers and also founders seem just more confident in general of putting out not perfectly polished content. I think that's been yeah. the biggest change that I've seen. And part of it is like through COVID, everyone's remote. So people were putting out videos on Zoom and it wasn't some fancy presentation like we're used to seeing. But I think it's really just helped with people sharing their learnings and not just 
only the good, perfect things all the time. So you're seeing a, a mix of here's some things we tried that didn't work. Here's some things we tried that did work, which is great too. But I think really kind of showing what's happening behind the scenes has made that leadership just more interesting in general. Yeah, yeah. So have you ever come across this uh, people on the fence saying that only certain people should be doing uh, thought leadership related content? It's not for everyone because that's the core of what you just said. So have you come across mm-hmm. that bottleneck and how have you surpassed that or what? what is your internal message that you put on to say that, hey, I'm ready to uh, you know die on this hill to make sure that everybody gets it? <laughs> yeah, we definitely have heard the feedback of, hey, I have a topic, but I'm not a writer. So can you guys run with this? And sometimes that's fine. Sometimes that works. But other times I do strongly think it works best when it's coming from the expert. So yeah. I don't want to be writing about our engineering process or how we decided to make certain features in the product because that wasn't my decision. I wasn't involved. So we try as much as we can to work with that subject matter expert. And yeah. we find that helps on the distribution side too, right? Because I'm connected to a lot of demand gen people. When I post something interesting, my peers engage with it. And it's the same for a lot of people, especially on LinkedIn. You're connected with peers generally. Right, right. No, that makes sense. And given that, you know, Chili Piper is one such company that gets a lot of engagement when it comes to LinkedIn or any social media for that matter. So how do you qualify the demand when it comes to these many number of people, you know? I mean, I know that you don't believe in lead scoring. So when it comes to handling intent, what's your typical approach there? Sure. Yeah, actually, just quickly going back to the different channels, we made a concerted effort in the past few months to just focus on LinkedIn because You'll see we do post here and there otherwise, but we don't put a lot of effort on other channels just because we found we were stretching our resources very thin and we had a lot of people that weren't in our ICP necessarily following us on other channels. Like say TikTok, for example, we did get quite a big following, but it was a lot around our recruiting. It was individuals looking for jobs. So for now that's on pause. So we didn't really want to focus and spend our efforts there. But in terms of the intent side, so we, you're right, we don't do lead scoring. We don't do traditional intent where we have like a a specific tool that we're sending alerts to our sales team and getting them to follow up. What we do instead is we're building an account scoring model internally with our data team to find basically what are those triggers that tell people or tell us that people would be a great fit for a customer of Chili Piper. So for example, we know if you use two or three of our integrations, you're probably going to be a customer for a really long time because those are really sticky. So that's one example of how we're building that lead scoring model. And instead of going with an outside tool, we're building that internally. So we're not quite ready to roll that out yet, but I'm really excited to see how that'll power not just our sales, but also our marketing, because obviously we can make much more targeted account-based lists where right now we, we do go pretty broad, where if you're in B2B and you use HubSpot or Salesforce as your CRM, you're probably hearing from us and seeing our ads. So we want to get more targeted on that front. Yeah, yeah. No, that makes sense. And talking about that model based on, um, you know, the integrations that people use, just to Mm -hmm. understand that a little deeper, are you talking about, say, some product-led triggers that you go back and measure using certain tools? Yeah, exactly. So we integrate with a ton of MarTech tools, but one example is if you use Clearbit to enrich your forms, you can use Chili Piper on top of that. So we know that if you're using those two things, your demo forms are going to convert at a much higher rate than the average form. So we want to get you using all the different integrations you can. And product triggers is a great way to put it. That's how we're looking at it internally. Yeah, yeah. No, in this day and age, you know, typically it it frustrates me when I get on a call and a CS person talks to me and saying that, hey, tell me, what do you use the product for? I'm like, you have all the data. What are you asking me about? (laughs) You know? 
Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, we want to empower sense. exactly not just our sales team but our customer teams as well with that data. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And you know, one thing this probably might be a little controversial, but not controversial these days. I love the fact that you guys are um, anti uh, MQLs. When it comes to content, one thing that my biggest gripe is that we as uh, B2B SaaS marketers have kind of ruined gated content because right from the word go, when I say gated content, I'm not even talking just about the eBooks and case studies and the downloadables, but I'm talking about even something like say your webinars. The moment you're on a webinar, people know that, okay, now I'm going to be on the nurture cycle and people are going to absolutely kill me with so many emails. So what's your thought? You know, should there be no gated content at all? Is there a place for it in the world of demand gen? How do you look at it? Yeah, that's a great question. I'm definitely on your side about that. I think you knew that. I have, I've still heard success stories from different industries that people are seeing success with gated content. I personally think if you're selling MarTech, you're selling into sales and marketing, we're very skeptical when we see a form. And like you said, you know, okay, if I go to this webinar, even if the content's good, I'm going to get followed up five times from all the different reps of the people that were on this webinar. So you have to really think about, is it worth it before you give them your email? So I think it's just tough to succeed in the MarTech space with gated content because we're all so skeptical of that. One thing that I will say though, is going back to the triggers, the product triggers conversation. I think that's really where email nurture and follow-up is heading. So instead of just Oh, you download this ebook, you must care about X topic. I'm going to send you emails until you finally hit unsubscribe. What a lot of companies are doing is basing that on round triggers. So, yeah. hey, we saw that you also use Clearbit and you set up the integration. Here's a tip on how you can make that even better yeah. and how you can convert more leads. So I think really taking that to the next level of instead of they filled out fill in the blank ebook name and then putting that into the nurture, it'll be based on real things that the that people yeah. are doing. So integrating with your different tools. Maybe they're hitting a limit on how many leads they're bringing in. So you can really customize that to those tr product triggers versus, hey, they downloaded this ebook six months ago. Are they still <laughs> interested in that topic? Yeah, no, that makes sense. I love to usually give this analogy where I say that, hey, you walk into a supermarket, you don't want anybody breathing behind your neck all the time. But at the same mm. time, you know, you're looking for something and you're not able to find it at the corner of the aisle you want somebody to come in and say that, hey, how can I help you? What are you looking for? You know, right. it's it's still help, but <laughs> yeah. but you're actually bringing down the friction there. Exactly. Yeah. One way we try to stay top of mind is obviously we do a lot on the paid social side with our retargeting audiences, but we also, instead of gated content as an offer, we have a newsletter that we've been growing kind of in the background for, I think about five years now. Yes. Yeah. The sauce. So instead of gating content, that's kind of our standing offer on the top of funnel side of things. And then we just, we only send it once a month. We're not bugging you with emails otherwise. And that way we can stay top of mind without forcing you down these nurtures that you didn't really opt into and didn't want. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. And uh, by the way, congrats on um, season four of Demand Gen Chat. That's awesome. It's uh, not every company comes across more than two seasons that I've often seen. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about, you know, the goal of your podcast. How do you choose your topics? On what basis do you select your guests? And how does that facilitate into, or how does that fit into your Demand Gen program? Great. Yeah, thank you. Really excited about season four. We're about two episodes live now, so more to come. But really, it's a couple of different goals that we're working towards with the podcast. One is, again, going back to that thought leadership content, we always want to be positioning ourselves with demand gen marketers and creating just interesting content. 
And we found with a very lean team that a podcast is a really good way to create that content consistently and also just without a ton of resources. So it's literally just myself and a video producer and that's it. And we create 12 episodes and then we have a ton of different content we can pull from those 12, almost 12 hours-ish of recordings. So really that's the main goal is to have that thought leadership content throughout the year. And with video, I mean, you know, this doing your own podcast, you can cut it so many different ways. You can write a blog post. You can interview that person about follow-up topics afterwards. So that's been really handy for us to create that thought leadership content. And then in terms of kind of other goals, we also just are looking to just grow our top of funnel, our brand awareness. So that's been one goal of ours that obviously is a little tricky to measure on the podcast side. Yeah, yeah, of a bit course. of a black box. But we're really just looking at total streams of the podcast and making sure that that's growing month over month, which so far it has been growing. So that's the goal is to just keep that consistent throughout the year. Yeah, yeah. So how do you measure a demand gen overall? You know, of course, leads is one part, uh, see the opportunities that you create, but how does it map to revenue? You know, you cannot, like sales, you know, you're always tied to a number and you cannot say that, hey, I'm creating demand for the next six months. If things don't work out in a particular way in a quarter, then people are going to be axed. So how does it work? Mm -hmm. What are the metrics that you look for? Sure. Yeah. So we aren't, you mentioned that we don't really do MQLs <laughs> earlier. So we aren't really tracked on that. As a marketing team, our goal is really inbound meetings booked. So obviously we can track that through our demo form, through Chili Piper. So meetings booked. And then we also look at inbound pipeline. So those are the two metrics that we keep an eye on. Obviously, it's a little tough to track at the top of funnel because there's a lot that happens, like I said, on top of that. So we look to grow things month over month, like, again, podcast streams, our newsletter growth, followers on LinkedIn is a big one that we keep tabs on. And then obviously, there's a ton of metrics in the middle there around engagement with our ads. We're always looking at which accounts are engaging with us. But really, the top line metrics are meetings booked, inbound, and then inbound pipeline generated. Right, right. I think your very first job was in sales. Probably that mindset helps you a bit. <laughs> sales is a stretch. It was a, <laughs> I was basically answering, it was inbound calls that I was answering. And that was the one we were catching up earlier, but I found that job on Craigslist. Actually, that was the first <laughs> job that I, I got right after graduating from university. Nice. So what, what made you move into mm -hmm. the demand gen side, especially the content side of marketing? Yeah, it actually started at that first role. So we were a pretty small startup. I was... I mentioned I was inbound sales, but I also ordered lunch for the team. I also answered the phone at reception. <laughs> it was very small. So I got to dabble in a couple things. And then we had a head of marketing join and we had the opportunity to bring on HubSpot. This was years ago. And I was super interested in the marketing that HubSpot was doing back then. So that was really what got my attention. And I was interested and I got to start writing our newsletters and writing blog posts. And I kind of fell into it that way. No, love that. Awesome. So that brings us to the second part of our podcast, which we call the rapid fire section. I'm going to be shooting five short questions at you. The questions may be short. The answers need not be. So you can speak whatever Great. comes to your mind. So are you ready? I'm ready. All right. So here's question number one. Pick one. Should SDRs be part of the sales team or marketing team? For me personally, I think they should be part of the sales team because that's typically what they want to become is a sales leader. So I think that you should report to who you want to be in the future. That's how I view it. Wow. That's a very logical answer. I've never heard anybody say, I mean, uh, tackle it from that lens, but it does make a <laughs> really? lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. Awesome. So here's question number two. What's one thing 
that you look for when you're hiring somebody for demand gen? One thing that I really look for is, and this is really tough to find out in an interview, but people that are just problem solvers and will just figure things out because things just go wrong sometimes, you know, maybe you sent an email to the wrong list and then you have to send yeah. an apology email or maybe you put the wrong ad live. Things happen when you're rushing and looking for someone that can come and fix those things themselves versus really freezing up and not knowing what to do next. So people that just figure things out, problem solve. Yeah. No, in my early days, I've messed up on those aspects. So it, it gives me some memories. <laughs> I had a tough <laughs> day memories. that day. Yeah. Yeah. It was on a Friday and it, it mm. kind of ruined my entire weekend. <laughs> well, no, it's hard to get past it, but <laughs> it happens yeah, to everyone. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Right. So uh, question number three, I think I almost know the answer for this, but I'll still ask work from home or work from office. Oh, work from home for me. If you can't tell by my background, <laughs> I'm at home. And Chili Piper is actually fully remote. So we have people all over the world, which has been a really cool experience to work with people all from all different backgrounds. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. I, I, I can't remember the last time I went to office, probably from 2016. I'm working on and off completely from home. So I would never prefer a nine to five job sitting in an office. I think gone are the days. Yeah. Wow. You were early to the trend. <laughs> Nice. Right. So question number four, you mentioned this. So this is a very interesting question. When a prospect asks for a discount, do you say yes or is it an outright no? And how do you handle that? So for us, our policy is just no across the board. Yeah. Um, and we've found that that actually shortens our sales cycles because there isn't that last negotiation step. It's very clear from the beginning. And because it's so transparent from the beginning, we actually have a pricing calculator that you can pull up on our website and figure out yourself how much it would cost before you even talk to someone. So tons of transparency throughout the process. And I'm sure that weeds out people at the very beginning of the process too, that wouldn't be able to afford it or would be unqualified upfront so that we're not kind of wasting our AU's times. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So when they ask, you say it's our policy, it's a no-no? Yep, pretty much. Yeah, that's nice. Actually, that's nice. You know, that helps a lot. It gives clarity. Love it. Exactly. Yeah, transparency. Yeah, yeah. All right, here's the last rapid fire question. If you were given absolutely zero budget or these days as they call it, let's get creative. What is one channel that you bet on? Ooh, um, I've definitely had zero budget before. So that's not, that's not new. I think that I know this isn't a great answer, but wherever your audience is. So I, if you're selling in B2B MarTech, LinkedIn is probably a good bet. Yeah. Um, but I would spend some time and figure out where your audience is and where you can reach them because that's, that's the best answer for any marketing, but, and try to just grow your own personal following there or your founders following. No, that makes absolute sense. It's, it's, uh, it is definitely a great answer. You know, instead of saying uh, LinkedIn or TikTok, it does make sense <laughs> to say the channel where your audience is. Absolutely. That's awesome. Tara, you hit all five questions out of the park with that elegant ease. That's awesome. Thanks so much. They're fun. All right. So as we come towards the end of our episode today, if people want to connect with you, What's the best place to find you and how can they connect with you? Sure. So I'm on LinkedIn. I'm trying to post more often. I usually post once or twice a week right now. So give me a follow so I can post more and I'll feel encouraged. Yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, I found you on LinkedIn and I'm definitely following you. I'm sure the listeners after this episode, they'll definitely do that as well. So as a last note, if you were to share a parting message with our audience, what would that be? Ooh, a parting message. I feel like, I know you, you touched on this in the last question, but... 
B2B marketing is really tough right now. People have small budgets, probably a smaller team than they're yeah. used to, but there are definitely some silver linings. I think the community in B2B is really great. So I would just say, if you're having a tough time right now, try to find your people, try to find your community, whether that's in Slack communities or on LinkedIn or wherever you are. Um, and there's just a ton of great people that you can learn from. And so you don't feel so isolated, especially if you yeah. work remotely, because I know that can, it's a good thing, but it can sometimes not help when you're not feeling so great about how things are going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Once you get into that mode, it's a slippery slope. You know, things go into your head so fast. Absolutely. I think this, this is also a great place to give shout out to somebody like uh, DG, who's doing a great job with the Exit 5 community. And there are a lot of people who are doing a great job. So that's, that's amazing. That's a great uh, message and thank you. With that, let's draw close to this episode. Thank you so much, Tara. That was absolutely awesome and really, really appreciate you spending the time with us. Thanks so much for having me. This was fun.